Hello, everybody. Today's broadcast is brought to you in part by Bicep Curls. Curls for the girls all day long. Hey, Paul, how you doing today? Ben, you should probably do some tries for the guys, too. That's true. The bench needs work. It's a struggle. Every time I put something over my head, I'm like, wow, how can I do any handstand push-ups? I'm so weak over here. But um, today we're talking about um, pacing yourselves for workouts with kind of time caps in it. So each year in the Open, we've had a workout where you only had a couple, you had a couple minutes and you had to do a certain amount of work and then you could rest. But uh, we were just saying that a lot of people were actually resting during the workout and not, not pushing it quite so hard. They weren't maxing out necessarily every time to try and get a whole minute rest. They were actually just pacing themselves like they would, like it was a normal workout. You f- do you see that in a lot of gyms? Do you see like coaches talking to athletes about that? Or do you think the athletes all just kind of wing it? Uh, we're trying to do that more and more, like just really giving uh, athletes a good idea of how they should be feeling during the workout, during specific parts of the workout. Um, a lot of times not redlining and, and going too hot right out of the gates, um, which which never ends up really well. So say if you're doing like a 10-minute AMRAP and you end, up, uh, you end up going balls to the wall, like maybe <laughs> the first 90 seconds, the, the rest of that workout's really going to suck. Yeah, it's interesting. I think that, like, uh, especially during the Open, people can kind of optimize their performance based on kind of the way they pace themselves rather than trying to just work themselves up to wherever they are fitness-wise. I think there's a little bit of strategizing that can be involved. I think Rich Froning actually talked about when when he started it, people would would critique CrossFit for not really being a sport. And he said, well, but it is a sport because there's lots of, like, strategizing and stuff and how you approach the workouts. And you know, it's interesting, you see, like, a lot of the top guys never really look like they're going out in a ball of fire, you know? They almost never look like they're going way above their maximum capacity. They almost kind of always have, like, a cool head. And even, like, um, forget which workout it was, but it was, like, uh, 17.3 when Matt Fraser was doing singles at 135 for the snatches. It was, like, you know, if the fittest in the world is doing that, then nobody else should be trying that either, right? Because they're just going to burn up in a ball of fire, right? <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with that. So yeah, if you're looking at the top athletes in the world and they're just they're masters of pacing, like they've done so many so many workouts, competitions, um, they know how to pace themselves uh, accordingly, and they don't ever go to the point where you actually see them like failing rep after rep. So it's uh, it's just knowing yourself, learning your learning your body, knowing your weaknesses, and uh, and just being able to to keep your cool and uh, maintain that throughout workouts and uh, and competitions and not really worrying about what other people are doing, but uh, really just paying attention to where you're at and doing the absolute best that you can with uh, with your abilities in in that time. I feel like something that is like maybe a little underutilized. I know you guys do a lot here, which is interesting because I don't see it at a lot of gyms. Is doing every minute on the minute work. And it's kind of like, it's weird, but you don't, you don't tend to see it a lot because people think of it as like an accessory work. Like you do something really difficult so that you need that whole minute to rest. But I feel like you can also use um, on the minute work to like practice tempo because if you do something that sounds easy, say like 10 cows on the bike and then like six pull-ups or something like that, it's going to be really easy for the first five or six rounds. And then if you actually wait those full minutes every time, all of a sudden it's going to start to feel like your rest is coming down, even though you're doing the same amount of work in the same amount of time. And I feel like people need to do that more often so that they can pace themselves to open workouts. They know about how long each round should be taking, and they're not flying at the beginning and then slowing down at the end. They kind of keep it at the same pace the whole time. 
Um, I was working out with uh, this one lady named Freya, who's actually, she's uh, a new mother now, and when she was doing the workout, she said she was looking over at the time. Every every time she finished a round in 17.3, she was making sure it was taking her a minute, 30 seconds. And she said the first five rounds, she felt like she was going slow as molasses. And she was like, this is way too slow. Like, I can't believe that this is going to be a 15-minute workout. If it's at this pace, it feels too slow. And then the last five rounds, she was like, there was almost no rest at all. She had to go right from one exercise to the next because it got so hard as she went on. Yeah, e EMOMs are uh, are a great way to learn what you're capable of and, and train yourself. And you want to you want to pick numbers that you're going to be successful with uh, completing the the EMOMs. So um, I've had athletes that are like, okay, I'm going to do this workout where I'm going to row X number of calories and then do 30 pull-ups. And, and I'm like, that's it's kind of a, a little bit high of a number. Let's drop that number down to like maybe 12 pull-ups and then um, you know X number of calories and and try and do that every minute on the minute. And if you know that you can complete that successfully every time and repeat that for five or 10 minutes, um, then at least you have something to kind of kind of base it off of. It's, it's kind of like pacing yourself or learning how to pace yourself on a run or a swim or a row. Um, you know, the first time you do it, you're, you're not really gonna have a great idea of what your, your capacity is or what your finishing time is gonna be, but you repeat some of those workouts um, whether it's like, you know, 500 meter repeats on the row or, uh, or on a track, 400 meter repeats, stuff like that. You do it enough times and then you, you can find out if you were actually sandbagging it or if you, uh, if you really did, you know, go to your maximum potential and, and then use the, use the break accordingly. So, you know, the rest is, is where you actually find out how quickly you can recover. So someone with a really good aerobic base who their heart rate can, you know, get get dropped fairly quickly is going to recover a lot quicker than someone who's maybe not as aerobically fit and uh, they might be sucking wind a little bit longer. And if that next round starts, you're not going to be able to maintain consistent times or consistent reps. So um, really, really paying attention to quality of movement, um, you know, whether it's reps or running or rowing. And then, uh, and then really paying attention to that rest period to make sure that you're getting that maximal um, recovery so that uh, the effort's repeatable over and over again. Yeah, it was interesting. It's interesting that you bring up swimming, actually, because I knew a guy named um, uh, Ryan Nielsen, who I used to train with at the 17-wing pool when I was training for triathlon. And as a full-time swimmer, uh, their coaches would get them to do a lot of timed interval stuff like that that was on the minute or on 90 seconds. And it, would, it was not necessarily like the same thing every time either. Sometimes it was just like 25 meters every minute and a half, which seems like an excessive amount of rest time. But what they're doing is they're really pushing that 25 meters and then see how fast you can recover from those very high-intensity efforts. And I feel like that's something that's really great for CrossFitters because there's a lot of really high-intensity exercises for a certain amount of reps that say you couldn't do in a workout. So like if you're doing grace – and you can't do sets of five. Like most people won't do sets of five on grace, right? Unless you're a pretty high level athlete. A lot of people wouldn't be able to do fives for that entire round. But say you do three every 90 seconds, then you get that high intensity, like you get the exposure to that high intensity part of it, but you still get to take a bit of rest. However, it's still putting a lot of metabolic damage on you because you're still gonna be doing it. You still got that high intensity interval part you're not resting that long, and you can do it for a pretty sustainable amount of time. Like if you just do 
if like say if you're not great with strict muscle-ups or something like that, if you do one strict muscle-up or two strict muscle-ups, two strict muscle-ups every minute on the minute for 20 minutes, you've done 40 strict muscle-ups in 20 minutes. And you're only working for about five seconds every 60 seconds, right? It's amazing the amount of work that you can get done. Yeah, when you're when you're looking at movements like that, say if you were doing, like you had mentioned that EMOM with uh, two strict muscle-ups every minute on the minute, that's going to be totally different than uh, if you were doing multiple uh, kipping muscle-ups. Uh, you're taxing your muscular system a lot more doing the strict muscle-ups, and it's going to take longer to recover from that. So a lot of times during workouts, we're reminding athletes, you know, uh, sometimes there's there's that CrossFit stigma, like, you know, fighting for that last rep or fighting for one more rep sort of thing. But you don't want to do that during a workout when you know that you're, you know, your 50 wall balls into, you know, 150 of them in Karen or something like that. Like you want to make sure that you maybe leave one in the banks or so, so that you can recover a little quicker. If you're someone who's doing like thrusters, for example, in a workout and, uh, and you're, you know, driving that bar up, you're using those legs and the arms and shoulders are getting a little bit more tired and, uh, and you're starting to maybe press the weight out a bit more and, and your just form is starting to deteriorate a little bit, then fatigue is going to set in a lot more, um, especially if those thrusters are heavy and it's going to take you a lot longer to recover from it. If you were to maybe break it up so that uh, you end up stopping maybe, you know, one rep before you know, failure or potential failure, you're going to recover a lot quicker like that. Yeah, it's interesting. You saw that a lot, at, uh, especially at regionals last year when they had the strict muscle-ups in there. A lot of people were, like, banging through all five strict muscle-ups and then, or was it four? It was four strict muscle-ups. A lot of people that tried to do the first couple of rounds unbroken then lost it and then stared at the rings for the next 15 minutes, you know, because they reached that maximum capacity of their muscles and their muscles just turned off. I think that can happen to a lot of people where they, they spend a decent amount of the workout just kind of staring at the rings or maybe staring at a bar that they can't lift because they went a little bit farther than they should have. I think going to any kind of failure during a CrossFit workout can be pretty detrimental to your, to your overall score, especially, you know, we talk about like open workouts when there's some exercise that you don't think that you would reach muscular failure on, like maybe chest the bars or something like that, but then every once in a while, if you start missing chest the bars, you're doing 90% of the work and you're getting zero reps for it, you can get into a really bad hole there where you're kind of just staring at the bar going, am I rested enough to actually try another set? When meanwhile, the timer's ticking, you're just wasting a whole bunch of time, right? So it's, it's interesting to see, but like, I think a lot of people could work on that a little bit better to figure out where that maximum capacity is by doing something on the minute. You find out where that, you know, if I can only do say five power cleans at 185 or five squat cleans at 185, when the squat cleans at 185 come up in the open, you know, okay, five is the max that I can do in a row. So if I just do one each time, I can do one, take a deep breath, one, take a deep breath. And you're doing, you know, the same exercise, maybe even the same reps, but you're lowering that intensity and you're, you actually pace yourself a little bit differently than you would if you were doing something on the minute, which you can kind of burn up and then take a little break for like a longer period of time. And it's almost like, I think it's, you're kind of working two different energy systems because you're not getting really into that like glycolytic threshold anymore. It's becoming more of an anaerobic workout because it's quick, short intervals rather than a long 30 second interval that's really hard and then you get a lot of rest to get back into it. Yeah, pacing um, and, and knowing yourself, especially in workouts where say you're doing something like toes to bar, for example, if you start missing on toes to bar, like, and you're, there, there's, 
different things that can come up that, that get taxed while you're doing toes to bar. It could be your grip. So maybe it's the grip that's going. If you can't hold on to the bar, you can't do toes to bar. If it's your shoulders and lats from getting behind the bar every time, then that's going to make it very challenging as well. So some people who have uh, you know stronger shoulders and lats are definitely going to be able to keep going a little bit longer. If it's your core and you just can't get those legs up there anymore, it's going to take a lot longer to recover. You're almost better to just stop, you know, with like I said before, one one rep in the bank and uh, and just drop down, shake your arms out, breathe, and then you know take that few seconds to to rest and then get back on the bar rather than like starting to fail reps like one or two in a row and then you have to come down and you have to take a much longer break to, to recover. If you're uh, thinking about like a barbell, so if you have to go and snatch or uh, say like in, um, which workout was that? 17.73, like, you know, having to snatch at uh, 135 pounds or 185 pounds or if you were just going to do snatch pulls at 225, like I was doing um, <laughs> for five minutes, um, you got to know like when you can when you can go and pick up that bar for that 135. Like most workouts, we're not going to go and you know snatch repetitive reps at 135. Like squat snatch, you might power snatch it, but uh, you're not going to squat snatch that over and over again. And that's just way more taxing on the body than just a power snatch. So you know then you get to the say 185. 85s, for example, or whoever's whoever's out there, whatever a challenging weight was for you in that workout, you just really have to know um, your body and how long it takes for you to actually be able to get to that bar and, and hit a successful rep. You know, if you if you know that, say around, you know, you need that eight seconds or so before you grip that bar again, and you don't wait that eight seconds and you try to go in four or five. Um, you know, the, you might not be getting that bar overhead. So, you know, definitely practicing and, uh, and doing some of that EMOM work and being successful re with reps, not just failing over and over again. Um, you know, failure over and over again isn't going to, isn't going to help. It's, it's playing around with those successful reps. Even if it is at a slightly lighter weight, you're just programming yourself to, to have better movement patterns when you are slightly fatigued and, uh, you know, make sure that it's it's something that you can repeat over and over again. I would say another interesting thing is um, I think a lot of people misunderstood when they when Rich Froning came out and was <coughs> excuse me telling everybody about how he was doing you know a million workouts a day all day every day. I think people thought maybe he was using all those workouts just to make like an it build up an insane amount of fitness, and it was all about how much work you were doing. I think. A lot of it is also just learning your body better, right? So it's like when you expose your body to a lot of different movements and a lot of different rep schemes, which is what happens when you work out a whole bunch in a day. I think he just knew his body a lot better than a lot of other athletes at the time because, you know, when the when that really heavy dumbbell snatches came up at regionals that one year and it was like there was a 100-pound dumbbell, a lot of people, I think, were looking at that with kind of like, you know, deer in the headlights. Look, they'd never snatched a 100-pound dumbbell before, had no idea what was happening. But... You know, when you're rich froning, you're doing six or seven workouts a day. Chances are at some point you're going to find a dumbbell. And so it wasn't unfamiliar to him. I think, like, that's the that's a real advantage in doing CrossFit workouts more often is you're just exposed to more movements and more rep schemes and more time domains. And I think you just learn your body a lot better. And I think that's something that's a little underrated. It's not just about your fitness. It's about how how well you know your body so you can kind of make up like rep schemes and what you think you can do through a workout like right on the spot like Matt Fraser at 17.3 he did that live he had like what seven or eight seconds to like plan out what he was going to do for that workout and he strategized it perfectly and finished the workout in one of the fastest times the world had seen so it was like you know 
he's another example of a guy who just knows his body really well. And I think that's a really important thing as well. Now, um, all of our cameramen and stuff are waving at us. So I think we're out of time for today. But thank you, Paul, for your podcast. Thank you, Ben. Had a great time.